My young director friend, Nate Cohen, was an assistant director on the production of Book of Will that I was in at Northlight Theater um, last November, December of 2017. Just recently, in the summer of 2018, uh, young Nate went viral. Intentionally or unintentionally? It was a little intentional, maybe. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 609, Well-Intentioned Director's Guide. Director Nate Cohen is in his second year of Northwestern University's MFA directing program, and a few weeks ago, he created a cheeky and slightly tongue-in-cheek flowchart entitled, Should I Direct This Play? A Guide for Well-Intentioned Cis-Het White Men. Nate posted the chart on Facebook and tagged, among other people, American Theatre Magazine, which retweeted the chart and subsequently prompted much national discussion and a little bit of blowback. So Nate and I met this week near the Northwestern campus to talk about what he did, because, as I told him, I laughed just at the name of it because I went... That's that's funny because well it's funny for several reasons. One is oh my god, do we really need to a guide? But yeah, you know what? Some people do. Yeah, some people really really do. Really really do. And then as I continue to read it, you have you have phrased your arguments in a in a in a very amusing way. So I admired both the attempt to deal with a kind of a current hot topic, but also to do it in a kind of an amusing, funny way. Yeah, I mean I and. I I think that's kind of what I hope. I'm glad you feel that way because that's what I was going for. Uh, one of the things that that surprised me about it is I had the like the number of particularly older white guys who were like, "Is this satirical?" I was like, "No, it's tongue in cheek, maybe." It's cheeky and tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah, it's that. It's not satire though. <laughs> like no. this is a serious thing that you should think about. Um, but, but if I, you have to ask the question, then maybe you're the audience for this thing. Exactly. It's a, it's a flowchart. It's a very easy. To, I mean, flowcharts are always fun because yeah. you, there's a it, there's a built-in suspense of where it's going to go. But you, but is this a thing? Let's let's back up where it came from. You're the, you're in your first year. You know, you're in your second year. Second year now, yeah. You're in your second year of the three-year MFA program, directing program at uh, Northwestern University. Um, is this a thing that you guys, guys, gals, and everybody? else to talk about? Uh, yeah, to an extent. I mean, it, it actually came up out of a series of a couple of different conversations and, and things that I think about a lot for myself. Um, the, the specific like desire to make a flowchart came out of a, a question that we had uh, where we were we had a, a series of conversations with undergraduates and professors and some some guest people like uh, Regina Victor came in from Rescripted. She's awesome um, to talk about representation in theater and just what does that mean and, and we were really specifically focusing on sort of casting and actors and what does that look like but one of the things that came up for it for, for me in the conversation was I care a lot about representational things I used to do a lot of work with Black Lives Matter groups and things like that in Portland before I moved back here for graduate school um, where there's always questions of like how am I taking up space as a white man in this situation mm-hmm. um, and I have that question for myself all the time as a, as a director as well is uh, you know I want to be making plays that engage with these issues and I want to be working on projects that aren't afraid to tackle topics about race and things that are potentially controversial and, and stuff like that but I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a respectful way and doing it in a 
a healthy way and in a way that isn't taking away opportunities from people who don't get them in the ways that I do because of how I look and, and how I exist in the world. Um, well, and I love that idea, too, of how I take up space as a white man because I, I've been taking up a lot of space as a white man for oh, many, many years. Um, yeah. uh, but I've always had this sense of, and I think it's instilled of by my parents, of just, you know, don't be a dick. You know, that's yeah. just, you know, don't walk around with this strutting arrogance that the, the, world, that the world owes you a thing. And I think this is part of the problem with white guys, generally, to speak in a huge blanket way, is that we do. We're kind of, what do you mean I have to take in somebody else's feelings into consideration? Yeah, yeah, well, and it's, and it's, I, it's something that I don't think we think about because it's just how the world works for us, you know? Right. Um, I had, this is actually the, the, one of the like, most striking moments I've ever had as a teacher. I was taking a group of my students who were in high school to a play and we were all walking around somewhere and one of my students started laughing and I like turned around and was like, oh, it's so funny. And he was like, oh, we're just talking about what a straight white guy walk you have. I was like, I was like, what? And he was like, you just walk like such a straight, like such a straight white guy. I was like, I like, what is that even? And then he started sort of like explaining his point, and it was like, you know, you just have this way of like, you just kind of go where you want to go, and you're not worried about other people, and like, not in like a bad way, just in like a, you, you just kind of, you're going that way, so you're going that way, and like you're, you know, that's just kind of. And he didn't really explain it more than that, but I was like, huh, I get it. There's like a physical <laughs> manifestation of this. You carry yourself in the world. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. In a in a very specific way. I mean, it might be racist and sexist to point it out, but, <laughs> however, it's nonetheless true. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's talk yeah, about let's the flowchart. So, should I direct this play, A Guide for the Well-Intentioned Cis-Hetero White Man? And explains, I think people, everybody knows what heterosexual means, but what does cis mean? Uh, cisgender, just meaning presenting with the gender that you're born as. Born as, yeah. right, right, the, yeah. right. So you present as the way, it, with the genitals you have, yes. you were given. Yes. yes. Um, okay, so the first question, the, the primary question is, of whether you should direct this play, is the playwright of person of color, okay? Yeah. So if the answer is yes, there are two options. <laughs> is the play about something specific to that writer's heritage, ethnicity, or race? Examples, the piano lesson in Octoroon. And if the answer is yes, then the answer is, eh, big red X, don't direct that play. If not the, your story. Not, exactly, not your story. If, if, the play, if the play is not about something specific to the writer's heritage, if the answer to that question is no, then the other question is, is the majority of the cast part of that writer's heritage, ethnicity, or race? Example, Smart People, which is a play by, uh, I forget her name, young... Uh, uh, Lydia Diamond. Oh. Oh, sorry, I'm thinking of straight white men. Uh, yes, yes, which is young Jean Lee. <laughs> young Jean Lee. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's a bit smart people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the straight white men is a, a little bit of a different case because that's, you know, playwright of color writing a play about straight white men, which yeah. is totally kind of an inversion of the thing here. Right, which leads to the other question of, yeah. well, go, my gosh, if a white guy yeah. wrote this play about <laughs> gay Asian women, right. and when you go, well, you know, they did write The King and I. Right, yes. So, and, yeah. and also, like, the point is that we're trying to improve representation, not, like, have white guys get to feel like their feelings are being whatever. Right. <laughs> so if the majority of the cast is part of the playwright's heritage, ethnicity, or race, if the answer to that question is yes, then there's a kind of a warning yellow triangle symbol. Yeah, I mean, it, that's one of those where it's like, that, that doesn't inherently mean you shouldn't. It just means you should think about it. And, okay. and you know, um, what, is that, what does it mean to be leading that room full of actors? What does it mean to be... Um, even if the play isn't specifically about things from that heritage, they, that will inherently be a significant part of the play. Um, one of the things here, and this is, I think, a great point across the board of, for, for white guys who are interested in doing things that are sort of outside of their... Um, 
cultural wheelhouse mm-hmm. is think about maybe co-directing it. Yeah. Um, bring in an artist of color who you respect and and work on it with them. And I actually think that that's a really great way. You know, one of the one of the most infuriating arguments that I hear about lack of representation, especially in the directing field mm-hmm. for not white men, is well, we just there's just not anyone with enough experience for us or with, with enough credential for us to do this thing. Yeah. And like we we want to, we would love to hire a director of color for this, but we just can't find the human who's qualified enough, which is absurd for a variety of reasons. But one of the ways to combat that kind of ridiculous narrative is for white directors who are interested in working on those plays to help elevate those artists of color. And so then you can, you go get somebody who's maybe doesn't have the quote unquote experience and you co-direct with them and then you're giving the project the credential that a theater might want while also getting the voice that you need and giving an artist of color the opportunity to really work on something that's about their story and relative to their experience and get the experience themselves. That's great. That's great. So there's a warning. Consider co-directing. So if, if, okay, so if the answer to the question is, if the answer to the question of whether the the cast is part of that the playwright's heritage, if the answer to that question is no, then there's another question: yeah. Is the play about acts of violence perpetuate against people of color by white people? Uh, and if the answer to that question is yes, then eh, big red ask: Don't direct the play. Yeah. But if it isn't about acts of violence perpetuate against people of color by white people, then you give a big yellow thumbs up. You might be good. Yeah. There are lots of great plays written by playwrights of color that aren't about race, but still consider whether the project wouldn't be better served by a director of color. Example: The Humans, a sign in Sidney Brewstein's window, which is Lorraine Hansberry's other play, yeah. uh, in addition to A Raisin in the Sun. Yeah, um, and that's you know, I mean, I, I think I think it's sort of in some ways like the simplest version of this chart would just be like always think th- think it through critically and like be a good human. But yeah. this is yeah, one of don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't just don't be a dick. It's like the best advice you can give to young people. Um, <laughs> but you know, the the um, there are there are hundreds, thousands of plays out there by playwrights of color that aren't about racial things, right? Like I'm not saying and this is one of the one of the most frustrating bits of like when it when it went kind of viral and people started commenting on it was the people who like clearly actually hadn't read it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there are all these people like, oh so I just I'm just not allowed to direct anything by like anybody who's not a white guy. I'm like it literally just says the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you read the thing? Did you read the thing? Yeah. <laughs> well and it goes so, on. So that's yeah. just so that's just answering the that's just those are just all the the steps you can follow t- if the quest if the answer to the question is the playwright a person of color is yes. Yeah. So then there's another side of the flow chart where if the answer to is the playwright a person of color, if that answer is no, then there are further questions. Is the play about gender identity or sexual orientation? Then, if the answer to that question is yes, then eh, big red X, don't direct the play. But if the but the play is not about gender identity or sexual orientation, then there's another question. There are a lot of questions. A lot of questions. But it's great. These are kind of it's very Socratic yeah, in that idea. Yeah. That's well, what a flow, good flowchart does. Exactly. And and the way that I sort of landed on this was like, okay, what are the if I'm if I'm picking up a play for the first time and I'm thinking about directing it, like, what are the questions that I think I ought to be asking myself? Um, and, And as a sort of, like... You know, cis white guy, there, cis hat white guy. There's sort of the two branches, and one of them is the the racial element, and one of them is the gender sexuality element. Yeah. And and really lumping those two together is not 
if I had a, a wider amount of space to make a flowchart, I'd have made three right. columns. Right. But I was also trying to get it to fit into right. one, you know, usable image. But well, how much nuance do we need really to make yeah, this argument? Exactly. To make the point, the point of it is clear, I think, regardless. <laughs> right. So, um, but if, okay. So then, continuing on down the chart, if if if, if the answer to the question is the play about vi uh, vi uh, acts of violence perpetuated against women, people of color, or members, of, if that answer is no, then another question is the play by a dead white dude. Example: Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? And if the answer to that question is yes, is there room to consider a, an all POC per person of color or gender swap version of the play? If the answer to that question is yes, then thumbs up. Although caveat, nuance: yes. Edward Albee wouldn't approve it that if it were who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. But true. yes, and and also, I mean, that all, that one also has the caveat of like make sure you're doing that intentionally and responsibly. Like make sure you're doing that, and and it says it in the chart here too. But like make sure that you're doing that because of something in the text. Yeah. That like you have an actual reason to do it. You're not just like, what if we did it with all whatever? And ah, look, I've made beautiful art. Yeah, yeah. Um, so make sure that you're actually doing it because it's it's helping to in some way elevate or reimagine the story. And then make sure that you're thinking through the implications of what that means. And that then raises a bunch of questions of if you're going to do a, say, production of um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with all black actors, yeah. that then opens up a whole series of questions about what does it mean to be a black family in Mississippi in the... 50s, I think is when the play yeah. is set, or the early yeah. 60s, which is a very specifically racially loaded time. And have you actually thought about that? And are you sure that you are the right person then to be doing that project? So yeah. there's a there's a like yes maybe, you know what I mean with that one. Well, there's a great there's a good yes maybe for, for most of this chart yeah. because then there's only two more answers to this thing. If yeah. if there's if if there is not room to consider an all person of color gender swap version of the play, the answer is no. But you still and if the answer is no, you you, you give it a qualified another qualified th yellow thumbs up. I mean, go for it. You say, but can you really not find something else? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if but if if the if, if the answer to the question asked before is the play by a dead white dude, and if the that that if the answer to that question is no, then congrats, you picked one of the thousands of great plays out there that you could probably do. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the other thing is you know I one of the things that people commented on this a lot. Worth noting that 99% of the people who were mad about this on the internet were white men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which yeah. was unsurprising, but uh, but yeah. way to fill out the stereotype, guys. Yeah, I mean, it was literally like the first like 15 comments were white dudes being like, "This is bullshit." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, let's just look at the, and somebody pointed it out, and then that person's pointing it out comment got like 20 angry responses from white dudes. I was like, this is we just we can't escape this irony loop, um, you know, but no, no, but I mean, but I think the point of it was that like uh, another narrative that I find incredibly harmful and ludicrous is this idea that like, you know, I hear people saying like older white guys, especially, but some younger white guys do saying like, oh, I'm just not allowed to do anything anymore. I'm just, there's no art I can make. But, but, and I'm like, really? There's like literally thousands and thousands of plays that you're not gonna like destroy the fabric of the universe if you direct, you know? Maybe you need to get out of the art biz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and then and then like the reason that I actually ended up posting it when I posted it is because uh, Robert Lepage, yeah. uh, who, who is an artist I have an immense amount of respect for, I actually wrote my thesis on him. I like think he's incredible. Wow. Uh, he did this production called Slav, Slav. I'm not sure how the accent is used, but that got an immense amount of, I think, very valid criticism in Montreal. Montreal because he was using an all-white cast to sing slave songs 
and he like they had a whole thing about it and they canceled a huge part of the production and blah 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 and like a week later he announced that he was doing a show about uh, indigenous Canadian folk stories that had no indigenous Canadian people in it and it was just like dude you literally just stepped in this <laughs> like how are you not like he's a, you you're like one of the most successful directors of the last 50 years and you don't have the ability to like think this through critically like that, maybe you do need something as like simple and reductive as a flowchart uh, which is very disappointing for someone that I <laughs> idolized at a young age Hi everybody, I'm Stan Lai, the artistic director of the Uzen Theatre Festival in China, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We're still on our summer break, but you can still get plenty of incredibly reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, illustrated by the marvelous Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Also, our next batch of tour dates is now online. We're sending out 11 different actors and three, possibly four different stage managers this season to perform William Shakespeare Long Lost First Play Abridged, The Ultimate Christmas Show Abridged, and the show that started it all, the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged, revised in 30 different cities in 18 different states. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with director Nate Cohen talking about his well-intentioned director's guide for cis straight white men. Let me ask you this question about uh, a, a kind of a hypothetical that I'm not sure you addressed. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'm directing Twelfth Night this fall at Cincinnati Shakespeare. And one of my very first thoughts about it is always, well, where do you set the play in a way that the location, the locale, the settings, the costumes help tell the story mm -hmm. uh, and help identify the players. Uh, and also being that it's a show about music, it's a play about music, if yeah. music be the food of love, what is the music that I love? I love gospel music. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Oakland, California, and when I say in Oakland, I mean the largely white suburb of Piedmont. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I stage managed, uh, uh, I, when I was in college, I stage managed a huge concert for the Hawkins family singers. Edwin Hawkins had a big hit with Oh Happy Day yeah, in the yeah, 60s, yeah. and they are an entire family of amazing musicians and gospel artists. And I stage managed one of their concerts with, with Tower of Power, Horn Section, and Maurice White, and Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire. It's on CD, and I listen to it, you know, several times a year, if not more. I love gospel music. So my first thought about setting Twelfth Night was, what if it's, what if it's, what if Illyria is not a country, but a church, mm. specifically an African American church yeah. with a guy in the gospel tradition. Um, now, obviously, I don't know anything about that. I mean, I don't. I have. I don't have any credibility to stage that location to create that location. But I'm directing a, the play Twelfth Night and wanting to set it in this world in which I would hire largely African-American actors and musicians and musical directors and choreographers. Is that wrong? Uh, 
I, you know, I don't think I don't think wrong is is the the right sort of framework at all. I mean, I think again, it's a question of like, uh, have you thought it through? You know, um, I I think that. There, there is a lot of you know one of the one of the things that came out of this this thing was a lot of people bringing up very specific circumstances that aren't you know like I I'm the drama teacher at a high school and it's all black students are you saying that I should never do an August Wilson play with them even though they really want to because yeah. I'm a white you know I mean and it's like no that's a very different circumstance and so I, I think that there is a there is something different when you are putting a, a thing onto a play and choosing to do that very intentionally the entire time you know because then that's something that you're sitting down with the designers and you're saying how do we do this the right way how can we like have this conversation to begin with as opposed to um an artistic director coming to you and saying, hey, we'd like you to direct this script, and you have to decide if you're the right person for it or not. Right. And, I, and actually, as we talk about it, I think you did address the my hypothetical and, and, and that high school teacher's hypothetical. You said it's a guide for the well-intentioned. Yeah. You know? And if you're well-intentioned, then this can be helpful. Exactly. If you're a dick, <laughs> exactly. it's not going to be helpful. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, and the, and the other thing is, you know, I didn't, I, as, there's a reason I chose to call it a guide as opposed to, like, a rule book or like right. the Bible of, right, you know, right, right. Um, like I, I, there are scenarios I can imagine in my brain where I would answer one of these questions and see the big red X and then maybe still do it anyway, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like I'm, I'm not saying that I think I ought to immediately, but that there is a version where if you've thought it out, the answers are not necessarily always what this thing is. You know, I'm not 100% convinced that this is 100% correct. Yeah. Um, and I've had a lot of people who have brought up, like, oh, you know, I think there's a, an element of that answer missing. Or there's a different, you know, you could have another question that dropped out of that that poses a really important thing that you would need to think through. And so for me, it's more like helping you. It's a tool to help you think it through, you know? Right. And the beginning of the conversation, not the end of the conversation. Exactly. And and to me, like, the actual answer to anybody is like, well, what a blah, 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 blah. It's like, if you have thought it through intentionally, great like I'm not here to critique your art I'm not here to like regulate your art or anything like that like that's that's to me the point of this was have you actually thought about it right. all and the way it, and if the thing you're largely thinking about is oh people are th gonna think I'm a dick well maybe that's the issue you should be thinking about yeah, exactly. and not the play with play you're directing again I thought this was so helpful in so many ways because you know like well I have a couple I have at least six strikes against me <laughs> being a straight white cis old right-handed man <laughs> you are you are all of the things yeah all of those things but the thing I don't have against me I think I hope is that I'm not a dick right. so you know I am well-intentioned so I think this could be helpful the, so I saw some of those negative comments and then I just rolled my eyes and and, and and I try not to engage on Facebook because what's the point but yeah. and and so I didn't I was very proud of myself but then American theater tweeted um, uh, uh, your chart your flow chart and also prompted more Conversation, more tweets in response. It got, it really kind of went viral in another great way. They kind of blew it because they didn't give you attribution yeah, right, they, right they, retroactively. We got which was mostly because of you being like, "Hey, this, okay. you know, I know, I know who did this." Uh, so thank you for that. I'm you're welcome. You're welcome. You. Well, I think we've learned that the biggest lesson about creating a chart that you then post on social media to go viral is to put your goddamn Twitter handle on it. I know. Yeah, that was. Yeah, somebody pointed out to me that you just need to put your name in like the corner of the image. I was right. like, that feels so like self-congratulatory though and they're like right but also like you want credit for it so like you should yeah. put it out. I was like yeah that's fair. <laughs> so. Well and again yeah. it, it, for a guy who goes through life 
examining how he takes up space as a white dude. Do you put your name on this thing? That was, I mean, that was my thing. Was like, I don't want to, whatever. But also, like, I I guess in my brain, I I sort of had the naive that they would just share my post, and so like, you know. But what they did is they took the image from the post and then shared that. Um, Humbly submitted. Nate Cohen. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Um, So, um, uh, um, it's been a couple of weeks now since this gone. Has the furor died a little bit? Is it ongoing? I mean, it just seems like it's a. It's been such a great opportunity for discussion, and it gives me an excuse to have this conversation with you on the podcast because I have wanted to talk about these issues, but I've never found the right hook hook to yeah hook for it. So this is a great. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, I think uh, first of all, there's this like fear of talking about it that I actually think is incredibly problematic for our ability to engage it productively. And in my like previous sort of non-artistic work, I spent a lot of time talking about these things, and I have a little bit less squeamishness about it maybe than most people. So that was part of why. I wanted to sort of put it out in the, the sphere, but um, you know, it's it's really interesting to see how, like, f- from my experience of it, it's kind of calmed down. But the thing is still like, it's just like left my immediate sphere. Um, so I, I just found out a couple of days ago that somebody posted it in the uh, Women in Theater Facebook group, which is a huge national Facebook group that's got something like fifteen thousand members or something like. That. I'm not sure exactly, but intentionally is only for women, and so. I hadn't known that it had gone in there, and apparently there was a huge dialogue around it in there, and uh-huh. questions around like, okay, this is for for white men, but like, what do we as white women need to be thinking about with these things for some of the white women and from women of color offering their perspective on it and things like that, which was like, oh wow, so a friend of mine, some guy I didn't know, sent it to a friend of mine, and she then was like, oh yeah, I saw this like three days ago in this closed group, and there was like 400 comments on it in there, and, yeah. um, which is really cool. Lauren Gunderson uh, and I are Facebook friends now because she <laughs> retweeted my flowchart. And then she and I had a really interesting conversation about it. Um, She's great. I've also I had a lot of people who've asked me questions about like, oh, have you thought about making one for playwrights? Have you thought about making one for designers? I'm like, I think those are great things to make. I'm neither a playwright nor a designer, so maybe someone other than me ought to make it. But like, I'm happy to <laughs> be a part of whatever that conversation is or. Um, Nate Cohen, Nate Cohen, would you artists explain all of <laughs> race and gender issues for us? Yeah, something like that. Um, which is, you know, and it's like, I mean, it's another thing where it's like thinking of this idea of like, how do I take up space as a white guy? Like, am I the person who should be having these conversations with people as a white guy? Is like a really interesting question, also. And you know, it's a, it's a complicated one. I think at some point you have to clean up your own backyard. Yeah. A little bit. Well, I think this is a conversation you're uniquely qualified to at least begin. You know, how how how, how do uh, uh, me and my fellow well-intentioned cis at white bah, 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 guys uh, do, do better? <laughs> how do we do better? That's a great question. How do we do better? That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. I thought this was a fascinating conversation. I hope you did too. And I confess that I actually learned something this week, which is never sit so close to the coffee grinder when you're recording a podcast. Sorry about that. Send us your thoughts about taking up space via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Also, the RSC podcast now has its own dedicated Facebook page where you can comment on this episode, suggest episode topics, ask questions and comment on other episodes, or just generally kibitz with us and other podcasts 
listeners. Find us and please like us on Facebook at RSE Podcast. Thanks as always to well-intentioned guy Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Sharon Shields. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Stan Lai, artistic director of the Ujin Theater Festival in China. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 609 1827ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. A lot of times I'm thinking about an issue in the theater and I honestly will ask myself, WWLGD, yeah. <laughs> what would Lauren Gunderson do? Uh, that's, I think that's super valid. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.